You are now listening to Hooper the Podcast. If this is your first time listening, stay tuned, but if not, you can skip 30 seconds ahead for the start of the pod. Today's episode of our show is brought to you by Hooper Lifestyle and HooperLifestyle.com. Make sure you check out our store for any new apparel, new basketball content. Everything we make is going to be on there, whether it's a video or a new hoodie or anything else, so make sure you check that out. HooperLifestyle.com, spelled H-O-O-P-R-L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E.com. Hooper Lifestyle, designed with Hoopers in mind. Welcome back to For the Hoopers. It's me, Tim Forkin, your host, along with John Swift, about to be a dad, my co-host. First of all, I'm going to give him a congratulations, John. We'll throw some sound effects in here right now just to <laughs> congratulate you on being an upcoming father. That's huge, man. How you feel about that? Uh, that was big time, man. I'm excited. I have a little one that's uh, a boy, so my name lives on. So I love it. Yep, and our guest today is Coach Adam Kerfoot, long mentioned on this podcast, the assistant coach at Madonna University, been there for, oh, what, nine, ten years now, right, Coach? Yeah, I think this is year ten. Yep, Ooh. so Coach Kerfoot, uh, in a uh, coincidental moment, is probably the reason why I ended up at Madonna, Uh Long history with him going back to seventh grade uh, travel basketball when uh, our past collided and he was assigned to be the coach of my team. And very quickly, he told me I was the slowest kid he's ever seen. Um, and I mean, that might still be true. Um, but yeah, a lot of memories with him. Been an important leader in my life uh, and I'm grateful to have him. John, you got anything to say about Kerfoot? Man, a really awesome guy on and off the court. Uh, one of my favorite coaches that I've had because I know he kept it real with me all the time. Uh, didn't sugarcoat anything with me. I think he made me a better person and player. So I'm excited to hear more. Yep. So usual format for these, if you're still listening, is that we introduce him and we go through uh, their story. So when you first picked up a ball, all the way through now, from playing to coaching, we want to hear all of it. And uh, we'll stop you if we have something to say. So let her rip. All right. Well, I'd say, you know, basketball is a part of my life, you know, real early. I had three older brothers. Um, so really just a, a basketball family. My dad he coached high school basketball to probably 20 plus years. So, um, you know, from when I was a kid, a baby, you know, I was always around the gym. Um, and, you know, I remember even up to grade school, you know, going to his practice, he coached girls varsity and I would be playing against varsity girls when I'm like a fifth grade. And, um, and so it was, it was always a part of my life. I mean, I always had plenty of other sports I was always involved in, but, you know, basketball was usually number one for me. Um, so then fast forward to, um, you know, to high school, um, you know, we were, we were, we were pretty good. Like in my four years, we just won a lot. 
like I'll say the grade above me, the first, you know, the, the grade above me, grades two, two above me and the grade below me, they just, we had a lot of athletes. So we were, you know, good at all sports, won a lot and we kept things really competitive. Um, so, you know, that kind of just made me, made me better in itself because we had so many athletes. Um, but I'd say my junior year, you know, things started getting a little more, a little more serious about my, my future with basketball. We, uh, we had a really good team. We had to make it to the final four, um, you know, measly class D basketball, but, uh, we played, played in the Breslin center and, uh, and I was the only junior that started on that team, um, and, and led, led us in scoring and, um, after all those seniors left, we were still, you know, a really good team, but, you know, we lost a lot of talent. Um, so we only lost like four games my senior year, lost in the regional final. Um, but, you know, with all those seniors leaving, um, you know, the coach just kind of gave me, you know, a lot of freedom, you know, to be, to be aggressive and, and be, you know, a main piece of what we were trying to do. So I really had a breakout year um, you know, scoring wise. So I averaged, you know, 29.5 points a game. And, um, um, John, tell me what, tell me what 29.5 points per game looks like when, when Kerfoot's playing layups, <laughs> layups, yeah, it was, it was 10 feet and in, you know, it was you not shoot. <laughs> I will give you, I'll give you one made, you know, average, maybe one, one or two made, threes, threes a game, you know, just to keep you honest. But I was getting to the line, like, you know, I was making like nine or 10 free throws a game. This dude was James Harden before James Harden at free throws. <laughs> yeah. How, what's, what's the state record that you had? What's the what? Didn't you, like, weren't you in the state record books for free throws or something like that? I feel like I keep dropping every year, but I was when I graduated, like third for most free throws made in the season. In the state of Michigan, how much was that? I, I'm not <laughs> remembering that stuff. It was like I could be way off. It might, it might have been like 250. Okay, but um, Dang. But yeah. So I mean, I, I got I, that's one thing that I did. I, I did get to the line pretty consistently, and everything else, like John said, it was like 10 feet and in. <laughs> you know, scoring in different creative ways, strong contact. Um, but you gotta you gotta realize that you know the average center in in class D basketball that I'm going against is like a six three guy, you know, six four. Mm-hmm. Occasionally you went against, you know, some bigger guys, but I just wasn't, you know, coming across people that were really challenging me at the rim. So yeah. um some of that came came pretty easy. And uh so I had a good you know, a pretty good year statistically. We were competitive, but um, I would say, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm that old, but that long ago, as far as a kid in high school, you don't have the Twitter, you don't have the huddle and the easy access to film. Like you just don't get the attention. So being in Gaylord, Michigan, Gaylord St. Mary's, uh, you know, being in Northern Michigan playing class D basketball, um, just didn't really get recognized that much. So, um, I mean, I had some accolades. I was 
first team um, all state for Detroit free pass. Um, but, but really like I had to, and my dad, you know, basically did all the work, but we had to go out and try to get people to notice me. It's not like colleges were showing up at my games or anything like that. So, um, so I got a little attention, but not much at all. Not where I just had options. I had to go kind of find them. So what do you mean when you, when you had to go find them, like you were well, driving to these different schools, like, Hey, this is my film or. Well, my dad, it was a VHS and my dad made a highlight like of all my scoring. So, it, okay. You know, and it had on the highlight had like two full games and he, I mean, he sent that to some, some schools, not, not very many. So I really did myself a disservice by my, my academic um, needs. I, I wanted to be a firefighter at the time. That's why I was like, I was like, I was thinking, you know, I want to go be a firefighter and you pick an occupation like that. There's not very many schools in Michigan that, you know, really take you down that route. So that immediately cut my options, you know, where I only had a few. I literally, um, when all my friends were going on spring break to Florida, my dad and I, you know, basketball scenes over by this, by this point, mm-hmm. my dad and I basically, you know, drove to schools and, you know, and went to open gyms. So that, that, you know, that map kind of went up to Lake Superior State University cause they had a fire science program. And then I went down to Kalamazoo Valley, um, and they had a fire science program. I went there and visited, and then I went over to Madonna. Um, so it was like a three, actually I went to Lake Michigan Community College too. So that week of spring break, I went to four different schools and just to kind of see what my options are and, and, you know, get in front of the coaches and, and, you know, kind of take it from there. And, um, that led me to Kalamazoo Valley, um, coach Dick Schiltz, you know, he's a hall of fame Juco coach, um, great guy. And he really just, you know, sold me, um, on the type of person he was and how he runs a program and, and me, you know, being, being how cheap I am, you know, I'm like, why am I going to go to these other schools and pay a bunch of money and go to Kalamazoo Valley and not pay a dime. So, um, that was a pretty easy choice for me. So I ended up going to Kalamazoo Valley, uh, right out of high school. And, and that was, that was quite an experience. You know, you talk about a kid, you know, going up to from Gaylord, Michigan class D and, and going down to Kalamazoo, um, you know, John, that was an experience for me. It's an adjustment. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I was, I, when it comes to people, I don't know, I'm a pretty quiet guy. You got to get to know me to kind of, you know, get the real version. Yeah. So I was just kind of to myself and like, it took a while for the team to kind of understand me and stuff. Um, <laughs> I believe it. But uh, so I, I show up there and, and I'm not someone that's like, you know, delusional as far as um, my abilities and stuff. Like I was, I was glad to be there. I, you know, I, I attended a couple of college games and I, I remember going up to in high school because Kirtland was like one of the only schools up in Roscommon that was recruiting me. Mm-hmm. And the, their coach invited me uh, to watch a game. And I went there. I was like, 
I don't even know if I can play with these guys. So <laughs> I, I was really, you know, realistic with my abilities. And when I went to Kalamazoo Valley my freshman year, so this isn't like Madonna where the team's set. There's no like, not, you know, we don't really have tryouts at Madonna. We just, we know who we have. You go to Kalamazoo Valley and it's, it's the, you know, first month of school, there is tryouts. Like, you know, there's guys that are there for scholarship and then there's guys that are trying to make the team. And there is 40 to 50 guys showing up to these tryouts <laughs> at Kalamazoo Valley. And they just kind of weed it down. And, you know, week one, they let it, you know, it's like kind of like a free for all week mm -hmm. one or two, they're letting everyone come. And then they make a list, they cut it down to like 40, then cut it, cut it down to 30. And this list is getting cut as we're going. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I remember like getting closer to like October and I, I call my, my parents. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make the team. Like I was like, oh. really, like there were some good players and yeah. And I was worried I wasn't going to make when they had it down to like 20 guys. I'm like, I don't even think I'm better than a lot of these guys. So, right. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's Juco. So things kind of weed themselves out. You know, there's some guys that are a little flaky. There's some guys that aren't going to, aren't going to cut it in the classroom. Um, so, I mean, I ended up, you know, obviously making the team. I was on scholarship, but I was worried for a second there. Um, but That's I'm how it still, was at Delta too, though. Honestly, yeah, you, get, you said I mean, they, they weed themselves out. We had 21, I want to say 21 players at the start of the season, uh, my freshman year at Delta. Then when the season started, we only had 11. Yeah. Like, just like that, team right in half. So yeah. no, we, I mean, like we went into season with 18. And then, yeah. you know, that you lose a couple, you know, by the time you're starting games and stuff. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I made the team and I was, you know, I was happy about that. And, um, but I mean, I was playing behind two other point guards. I was literally the third string point guard, but the coach was pretty good at, um, giving, giving guys chances and, and going a little bit deeper in the bench. So I averaged like 10 minutes a game my freshman year, but we were, we were good. We, we were, uh, conference champs, um, playing behind two, two sophomores. So, um, I'm thinking when I when I come back, those two sophomores are going to be gone, and I'm you know I'm going to be the point guard. And they sit me down. The coach coaches sit me down in the office in the off season. They're like, you know, we're bringing in this freshman point guard. That's you know we think is going to be pretty good. So thinking about moving you off ball, and I'm like, okay. I you know wasn't too excited about it, but I was right. like, okay. So I went home. I always went home for the summer in college. And I went home with, in my head, going into my sophomore year that summer after my freshman year, I'm thinking like, all right, this is, this is my last year. Like mm -hmm. he's bringing in a point guard. I'm going to be playing off ball. And I, I know we got some other competition at that spot too. I'm like, I'm probably going to be, you know, done after this year, get my associates, you know, basically become a firefighter and mm -hmm. just, and just move on with my life. And I, I decided just to give it everything I, I had my soft, my sophomore going into my sophomore year that summer. Um, so I was really training pretty hard. Um, and I, and I show up the beginning of my sophomore year and just really just outplay that incoming freshman and anyone else, you know, that could have competed with any spot. So I kind of just take that spot 
And um, so I was the, the starting point guard my sophomore year. And again, we're, we're good again. And um, a lot of talent. We're 13 and 0. You probably heard the story. We're 13 0 going into Christmas break. Um, we're rate, rated in the top 10 nationally. And um, I'm home for Christmas break. One of my teammates, my good friend Quincy, calls me. He's like, it's like, Kerf, did you hear? No, what's up? It's like, we lost nine guys to eligibility. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. No way. So that's so, why you're the eligibility guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, so, it makes sense. So we lose nine guys. Obviously, just oh. that's just a majority of the team. Like, we lost three, three starters your sixth seventh man like you know that 13 and 0 team and now i'm coming back to a team that you know lost a lot we had to call guys that we cut to come back just wow. to have enough you know just to have a team so it was it wasn't you know it wasn't pretty but we still competed i think we finished like fourth in the conference but we lost that much um it was really really tough um so I, I mean, I had a pretty good year, though. So, um, obviously, I was going to score. My assists were pretty high, but I was going to score a little more with all those all those starters gone. So, my stats were up a little bit. I think I was averaging like 12 points a game and one of the top in the in assists in the conference. So, had a, had a decent year, and I was voted team, team MVP. Um, so, you know, my summer mindset, this is my last year. Then we get in the season and I do, you know, I, I do pretty well. I'm like, well, maybe I got more in the tank. So um, Madonna was really, you know, there's only a few schools looking at me, but again, you know, I'm thinking I'm trying to be a firefighter. I got tunnel vision, like <laughs> limiting my options. So as soon as Madonna, like, you know, offered me a spot and, and they were recruiting me, I was like, you know, I think that's where I'll go. So, um, after my sophomore year, head over to Madonna and, uh, you know, play two years there. And, you know, we were, I don't really need to go dive deep into that. You know, we're, we won, we did my senior year. We hosted the first ever playoff game. We finished, I think we finished fourth. Um, but, but nothing, nothing uh, too successful, nothing to brag about. I think we won like, maybe 16, 17 games that, that senior year. But mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's, that's the end of the playing days. And then um, I had some more, more classes to finish up as far as to graduate. So um, that, that fifth year I'm at Madonna, um, just going to school part-time. Um, uh, a friend or a family friend to my head coach, Coach Henry, um, needed someone to coach freshman boys basketball at his high school that he was the varsity coach and that was Wayne Memorial. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I got, I mean, I'm not, not a player anymore. I got, I got some free time. I'll, I'll coach. It seemed interesting to me. Uh, might as well make a little money and do something yeah. I know what to do, do with, um, while I'm in school. And so I get, you know, a little bit of my first taste of coaching and I, I really liked it. Um, that Wayne Memorial team was like, I mean, freshman team, they only play, like six, I think we were like 
maybe like 10 and six or something like that. We were all right, but um, just got my first taste of coaching. And that at that point, um, you know, we had that season Then I graduate trying to find a job, trying to be a big boy now, as far as, you know, full-time work. And I'm like, just, it's not that easy. You know, there's a lot of people who want to be a firefighter. And also if you want to be a firefighter, you really need to be a paramedic. I'm like, I don't want to do another year of school to be a paramedic. Right. So like, I really got kind of um, discouraged and, and frustrated with not being able to like, Hey, I got a four year degree and I, I'm not walking into a job. So, um, so I started, you know, kind of think about coaching a little bit more and kind of um, redirected my, my path and, uh, you know, talking to some people that, um, you know, helped me along the way. And, you know, they, something ended up falling on my lap as far as the opportunity to coach back at Kalamazoo Valley. Um, so, so I really did a complete, you know, career shift and uh, I head back to Kalamazoo Valley and uh, I coached for three years there. I said, hey, if I wanna, if I wanna do this like full-time as a full-time job and work, I gotta be really committed to it. I gotta, you know, put myself in position to, to actually, you know, succeed. So I was like, while I'm at Kalamazoo Valley, let me get uh, a master's in sport management from Western. So as I was coaching there for three years, I was also working on my, my master's at Western. Um, and then kind of what led me back to Madonna was, you know, my wife, she, you know, we met and then uh, she was living in Ann Arbor. And then that kind of got me back on the the east side of state and and again when you get other people you get a you get a a, a spouse in the mix john you know you got to start uh you know basing your life off of them sometimes so yeah. now i'm back to you know back to uh figuring out to what i what i have to do so i move over to the east side and um you know noel was you know looking for looking for assistant coach or looking for some more help and uh you know, I started part-time as a part-time coach at Madonna and trying to make ends meet, working side jobs and doing different things. And then it just kind of that developed into working full-time at Madonna. And now I'm, now I'm here 10 years later, just <laughs> still there. That's sweet. I never knew you coached high school basketball at Wayne. Uh, yeah, just, just a year, just a year. Oh, when I was okay. finishing up my degree. Um, I figured mine as well. Yeah. What was that transition like going from high school to college coaching? Well, I mean, fr- freshman boys is, is pretty basic, but yeah. um, I mean, that was just an adjustment as far as like just kind of how to deal with kids. Cause at Wayne Memorial, you know, some of the kids aren't coming from, you know, the best situations that, you know, maybe they're not, um, they got some academic struggles or they got some things going on at home or well, I'm going to be late for practice and going to do, you know, yeah. this and that. And, and, um, you know, it got me, um, kind of seeing things on and making decisions as a coach and, you know, what's, what's best for the team and these individuals. Um, but I mean, there's not much X's and O's and, and knowledge you need to, to coach yeah. at freshman boys. I think, I think the learning really happened when, I got to Kalamazoo Valley and, you know, learning under Hall of Fame coach Dick Schiltz, um, you know, that was, 
that was learning quickly. You know, he, I was the lead assistant and, you know, you just kind of plugged right into it. So it's not a Juco. You're not a huge staff where you're like fourth guy down the bench. I was, I was, you know, the assistant from the start. So, so, um, one thing that isn't really coming off through this podcast that John and I both know very clearly is that you're a much different communicator on the basketball court and in a basketball setting than you are in this podcast setting. You're much more frank, direct, uh, obviously louder. Uh, I don't. I, there's a bunch of adjectives I could use, but where did where did that develop? Because that that takes time and that takes that takes experience to know what buttons to press, uh, how. How you went from, because I don't imagine you always being the communicator you are now. Um, I mean, I think it's my own style. I think it's how I am. You know, you kind of coach how you are. You don't just completely change as a person. So I think in in real life, I'm pretty blunt. And I don't really, at times, I don't really care what I'm saying. But I'm going to be honest. Um, You know, maybe that gets me in trouble more times than than uh i need but um i don't know it's hard to answer that question you grow up in a household with three older brothers just a lot of a lot of, a lot of dudes you know maybe i'm just <laughs> not as not as sensitive at at times or um just not a lot of bs you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna be more to the point maybe i'll maybe i'll say it in a, in a witty way that can be funny or can you know be sarcastic but I'm going to get my point across um, and try to do it in a creative way where maybe it keeps you guessing sometimes. Mm-hmm. John, what was, what was your first impression of Kerfoot? Oh, geez. These are bad. Uh, um, my first impression, I'm like, I got to be on like my P's and Q's with this guy because he's going to call me out. Like Every time I do something wrong, he's going to call me out and keep me, keep it real with me. But, um, I just, I don't know. I always saw him as a really smart guy. I knew he was going to be a good coach. Um, he actually cared a lot. So um, that's kind of my first impression. Like, okay, I know I'm in good hands because uh, this guy, he definitely knows what he's doing. So. Mm-hmm. Well, John's one of the easiest guys to coach because you can, I can do whatever I want to him. You know, I can say whatever I want to him. He's going to be able to handle it. So those level-headed guys, you know, the go- those guys that can really accept coaching um, probably – you know, benefit more from me. Um, maybe the guys that are a little more, a little more sensitive or um, guarded as far as, you know, taking coaching might, uh, you know, it might, it might, uh, they might see me a different way. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's something important for like listeners um, is that like, not every, time you get coaching is always a negative thing like I know you care like whenever you would coach you know anybody on the team in a specific way I know it's because you care but it's important to have thicker skin because um I think that made me a better person being able to take that a lot more not even just a better player better person so I definitely think growing that skin to be able to take that kind of coaching is super important and I think it's a standard almost like through our time at Madonna you've been able to see people who come through the door and you can immediately tell whether or not they're going to respond properly or respond in a way that's going to motivate them or in a way that they're going to get turned off by because some dudes you yell at them and they're they don't want to play they don't they they just want to sit there they want to sulk and some dudes let it make them better and some dudes are 
in between depending on the day you know so that that's a that's that's an important thing because most people don't think about that when they sign up to play for a coach they don't think about how is this guy going to coach me they think about the school they think about people who they're going to be playing with but a lot of you hear a lot of stories about people walking through the door and it wasn't what they expected and a lot of that is how they're being communicated with so that's why i wanted to bring that up because I think that is a distinct characteristic that you have, not a lot of coaches have, that makes you successful, is that no matter what, you're going to tell it exactly how it is. And every time a coach sugarcoats something, it almost kind of, like, you go about it in a way that shows that you care, but also, like, keeps their attention. Yeah. So that's important, and that's something I've picked up on. That's something I try to... I don't want to say emulate, but I try to remember when I communicate with someone is like, how do they want to be communicated with or what, what way would that work? So, cause it's definitely not a one size fits all kind of thing. Definitely case by case. I think that's a really good point you made there. Yeah. I mean, I think there are, you know, the recruits, that's like the hidden aspect in recruiting as far as, you know, how is someone handling coaching? Like, yeah. Unless you're really, you know, recruiting a kid and you're able to, you know, watch some practice, watch a few practices and kind of get kind of that insider look, you don't know. And you, you don't, a lot of times you, they, you figure that out that the unexpected as far as how, how a, a player is mentally or how they handle certain situations when they're being challenged or coached. Um, those are a little bit of the unknown, but, you know, we don't hide anything at Madonna. So, I mean, we always encourage recruits to, Come to a practice, you know, because me sitting down with you in the office and the coaching staff sitting down with you doesn't like that's a part of who we are, but that's only one piece, you know, like yeah. our, our coaching style and, and everything. You can only see that in practice. So, mm-hmm. so just was curious. I wanted to know is Madonna your last step? Is this a long term move for you or do you plan on? Um, navigating and becoming a head coach somewhere yeah well I mean that that's hard to predict um you know I'm I'm always going to keep my options open and but you know I'm not actively pursuing or, or looking for you know somewhere outside of Madonna um you know it's kind of one of those you know when you know type things when you're you know your time's up somewhere yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I've been at Madonna for 10 years now, so, um, I will always be open to a, a position that looks appealing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I would like to be a, a head coach at some point. So I don't, I think there's the majority of assistant coaches aren't just 100% on always being assistant. Um, right. I mean, there, there might be some out there that, that are, mm-hmm. um, and there's no, there's no knock on that. Um, it's just, I've been doing, you know, three years at Kalamazoo Valley, 10 years at Madonna, 13 years as an assistant coach. Um, if the right opportunity came, came available, um, you know, I would definitely, look into it but it's you know i'm i'm not a a tim murphy where just the world's at my hands and i can just do whatever i want you know Mm -hmm. there's always 
as you get older, there's always a lot of factors. So I'm not making a decision on my coaching career just for myself. I got to think about what's best for my family. Um, you know, as long as I'm happy and I'm happy at Madonna, um, it's going to be hard for me to leave. Um, as soon as I, that happiness goes away, or I think there might be something out there that could be a new adventure or opportunity, um, for me to take on, then I, then I to consider that. But, um, I'm not on the hunt. I'm not like, like some of these, you know, coaches that really have like high goals for themselves and, uh, and are just looking for that next job and, mm-hmm. and move around a lot. And, um, that's just, that's just not me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of content and maybe, maybe that's a, a, a flaw of mine is just being comfortable, but right. we've had a good thing going at Madonna for a while now. Uh-huh. You know, every time I bring in new players, I just want to see them grow. And I want to, you know, I want to, you know, build with them, you know, throughout their playing career. So it would be really hard for me just to, you know, decide to leave at one point. So, yeah, um, but I will keep my eyes open. I always, you know, try to do what's best for, for my happiness and my family. Um, and, and hopefully one day, you know, being a head coach, you know, will be an option, but in the meantime, you know, Madonna's been a great place for me. Um, and all I need to do, you know, I just, what I say is all I need to do. I, I just need to make Noel look so good that, you know, he goes big time. That's <laughs> when he goes big time. Maybe I have a chance, but um, he really deserves it. You know, he's, he's a smart, he's, he's got it all together. Yeah. Um, Noel deserves to, if he wants to, to have opportunities um, higher or, or elsewhere, but I know he's, you know, a, a loyal Madonna guy, just like yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I heard Larry say one time that he feels like the Madonna guys, because he was around the Pistons. He said he feels like the Madonna guys get NBA level care when it comes to like the scouting and the stuff like that. Like I can't imagine too many other schools put in the, the work you guys do and build relationships you guys do. So that's awesome. We're going to go to rapid fire questions, lighten it up a little bit. First question. Yes. Favorite player of all time? Oh, I'm not good at rapid fire. I'm not a quick thinker. And I, <laughs> and I, and I don't have a strong opinion. I'm very <laughs> like. So you said favorite player of all time. Can I, like, can, can these be like a few? Yeah. Okay. I, I, so you're talking about any any type and, of level, or, M- or I mean, I mean, NBA is like what people yeah. have been answering. But if you want to say Dwight Burton, you can say Dwight Burton. <laughs> so I, I do like Dwight. I mean, that guy he, was, he was a pain sometimes, but I, I loved the wins he gave me. So, <laughs> um, I was but, no, I mean, when I was watching NBA a little bit more, like when you're a, a coach at our level, you know, you're. I'm not watching a ton of, you know, I'll, I'll watch a little college division one, but you know, I'm really focused on Matana and, and who we're playing. But um, I really liked, like when I was watching a little more, like in the, obviously you like people in their prime. So can I say in their prime? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like Dwayne Wade in his prime. He was my guy. 
Um, I like I like weird people. You know, I like Ginobili. I like Ginobili in his prime. Yeah. I like and I like Dirk in his prime. Um, now I would say no one. I'm just like oh he's my favorite player, but I like Luca. Luca's game's good and Jokic. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. those are two two guys that just impress me. Mm-hmm. So, because you don't have strong opinions, I'll, I'll skip this next question. But then, who was the hardest player you ever had to guard? Who was the hardest player ever to guard? It doesn't have to be, like, it can, it has to be, like, in your playing days, I guess. Because, like, like, if you've right. guarded, you've guarded younger players. Are you saying you're saying guard right now? Is that what you're saying? Like, what are you saying? <laughs> um... I, you know, I'm such a good player. I don't put myself in those positions. I don't guard the best. <laughs> I, I, I really don't want to guard the best player. Um, if you need an answer, it's probably not a great answer, but Micah Lancaster, when he was at Spring Arbor, like that, that's my time frame when um, oh, yeah. playing at Madonna, Micah Lancaster, he's only like 5'9". Like five nine guy but man he's, that guy he's had, viral now yeah yeah he's a good big time trainer but you know he he had a handle keep you honest with the three but he had his progression was crazy he would fake fake the mess out of you <laughs> um and i don't know i had to guard him so that's i, I say that but um yeah i'm smart enough not to guard good players <laughs> all right so hardest player you've ever had to coach against or or a scheme against or whatever because you've been an assistant coach 13 years. There's got to be a few guys that come to mind on, like, these guys gave us fits. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Stedinga was a little bit of a nightmare, um, especially when we, you know, you think you're doing a, a good job on him and he's he just kind of surprised you with a new element of his game. You know, we, I think, remember playing him at our place and, Thought we did a really good job with him in the post, in the mid post. And then he had like four threes or something like that. It's just like, really? Uh, (laughs) He was just someone you had to double. You had to have a plan for him. Um, And yeah, I mean, he doesn't even look the part. He's like, what, six, 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 you know, like not even like strong, but he didn't like, wasn't thick. But man, he was an athletic, explosive, fundamental i mean he kind of had it all he's good <laughs> what about ty Soros? is he up there um no you can handle him probably right yeah he was a, <laughs> i mean he was a score i mean when he got Man. hot he got hot he's just uh, you know he's yeah, just like you know, he's no standing guy or you know he didn't have the right. overall talent around him Mm-hmm. You know, Stenninga always had shooters. He, always, you know, you kind of had to pick what you're going to give up. Um, I mean, I think Cyril's you could game plan for a little bit better, but he could get hot. You know, he's got some length to him. So he's pretty explosive as far as scoring. Solid. So back in your days of watching the NBA, uh, you got to have an answer for this one. We're not letting you slide without it. It's our favorite question. Who is your least favorite player to watch? Least favorite. That's tough. 
because least favorites are normally the guys that like people don't like pin again, right? right? So I got I got respect for these guys because I'm I'm the most hated player, you know, like right. <laughs> so, um, it really takes a lot for me just not to like someone, um, but I guess someone like just when I looked at them, it kind of bothered me. Was uh, <laughs> was Kendrick Perkins? Because you remember that, <laughs> but dude, he he only had a, like one face, and it really made me mad. Like he didn't he didn't like look tired, happy. He didn't react to anything. He had one face. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I hated just like kind of looking at him. <laughs> that that was just weird to me. Got to sit in this the first take so you can hear that. Yeah, he's a he's a media guy now, so maybe he'll get word. That is right. surprising because I mean, think about him in his playing days. He looked like some mute that like <laughs> didn't say anything, no no expressions, nothing, and now he's on TV. So yeah, it's kind of weird. All right, last question, most important question, most relevant question, because you are a coach. If you could give advice to any player who's growing up, middle school, high school, college, or picking up a ball for the first time. What advice would you give to a player who wanted to be great? Hmm. Um, I'm give a few, but it won't be too long. Um, well, one, I got to clear up the one Bob Nalbert you had on here, and, and he told me, he said he, he said a Kerfoot line. And when he told me, he, he kind of murdered it. Like he, he messed it all up, but he got the point <laughs> across. So, the, the quote is, and I got this from my dad, um, you got to be able to see a job. So, you know, he said it like in a joking manner, he would do something around the house, do a project or clean something. And he's like, and he's like, see, no one told me to do that. You got to be able to see a job. You know, he that was just kind of what he said, but it kind of stuck with me, you know, as a kid and growing up is you go in the workforce and, you know, you really got to be able to see a job if you want to be a good employee. So there are some like supervisors, managers that like to micromanage. Um, but I would say really the majority of bosses, they don't want to be telling you everything to do. Like they want you to be productive, do your job. Yeah. You got a set of responsibilities and, and you have your job that you're supposed to do. And then, and then the other things is, you know, provide value, be productive, you know, you know, with the, with your other time. So you gotta be able to see a job and that line kind of stuck with me. You, you could apply that to a player. Um, as a coach, I'm around a player two, three hours a day. That's it. What are they doing with the rest of their day? They gotta be able to see a job, Tim. They, <laughs> you gotta be able to, you got to be taking care of your body. You got to be doing your schoolwork, getting ahead in your schoolwork. There's so much time for them to make decisions on their own um, without me micromanaging them. And if we always have guys that are like, yeah, they do what we say when we're around, um, we're not going to be that good. It, 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 they have to be, it's when they're not around us, um, if they know how to see a job, they know what needs to be done in their own personal game and life, then, and then, you know, we have a chance to be pretty good. 
Um, so that's one. Another quick one, just earn your keep. You know, I was raised on that. You got to earn your keep. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, you have a roof over your head. You got food providing a table. You better earn it. You know, help out around the house. Do, you know, be productive. Uh, be valuable in some way. Earn your keep. Same thing as, as a player. You know, you want, you want playing time. You want a certain role on the team. Earn your keep. Um, just like you, Tim, you <clears throat> come to the office and just get handed a whole bunch of team gear, a whole bunch of Madonna gear. <laughs> you got to, you walk out of there. I'm like, this guy's got to earn his keep. You know, I don't, I don't know. If you saw, gonna, I don't know if you saw the video I made right after. Oh, but... you, you got some videos coming. Okay. That's it's good. already, it's already turned in, man. We're good. There we go. You know, you got to earn your keep. Um, but then maybe more, a more serious, you know, advice would be just have, have faith in, in God's plan for you. So <clears throat> everyone, you know, has a story. I, I told my story of how I got to where I'm at now. Um, just have, it's not going to work out the way you think it is. <clears throat> and it's going to change along the way. So just have faith in God's plan for you and it, that, that things are going to be okay. Um, but only have faith in God's plan if you put great effort towards whatever you want to do and you treat people really good. So I can't, that, 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 that advice doesn't work if you're a terrible person. Like if you are just a bad person and don't treat people the right way, things probably aren't going to work out for you. All right. Or that's the same thing to say if, if you're just lazy, you know, you don't do anything, you don't put any effort into anything, things probably aren't going to work out for you. So I think as long as you put effort towards, you know, put great effort towards something in your life and you treat people the right way, you know, I really believe, you know, God has a plan for you. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing, putting faith into your game. A lot of people don't think about it that way. I think like, like, well, they're so know. dead set on it's got to happen this way. And mm -hmm. you're looking at a guy that I'm going to be a firefighter. Like, uh, no, didn't really, didn't really go that route. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you're gonna, you're gonna just take it on that. Everything that happens to you that is bad or, or a failure or something, you just learn from it and it's just making you better. And then everything that, everything that happens to you that's good, you deserve it. That should be your mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep, that's good stuff, man. Thank you for coming on. Um, appreciate the words of wisdom. Appreciate all you've done for myself, and I'm sure John does too over the years. Absolutely. Yep. Well, so. We got to get one frame of us flashing the Hooper gear. One frame. Oh, yes, I'm actually sir. I'm actually not wearing it. So. Oh no! It's a quality shirt. Good, yes. good material. You know, I really think the one I chose was good. Um, a lot of good color. I'm glad you guys could make it happen. I know I'm a difficult customer. You know. Hey, you want what you want, man. Hey, when you're a six foot, 175 pound guy, you know that that size is important. You know, a medium. Large, large. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? I don't know. <laughs>
I'm glad we were able to tread that line for you and uh, yeah. get it all figured out. Thank you yeah. for coming on. All right, Carf. All right. Yep. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our podcasts. And also, if you're on Apple, rate and reviewing our podcast helps us out a ton. And also, reach out to us on social media. We're at Hooper Lifestyle. The link to all of that will be in the description for our website. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more coming. But for now, stay hooping, everybody.